0: I wonder how many in the room today, probably most of us, have ever been on an airplane. Anyone ever been on an airplane? Uh, most of us have, uh, and survived, I see. Uh, you know, before you take off, there's that safety spiel that we all give a lot of attention to. And somewhere in the safety spiel, the pilot will say, in case of an emergency, an oxygen mask will fall down. And who do you put it on? Yourself. Have you ever thought about how selfish that is? I mean, if it was a Christian pilot, it would say, put it on your neighbor. Put it on yourself. It kind of sounds a little bit selfish, but it's actually not. Because what's the point? If you're not breathing, you're no use to anybody. If you're not breathing, you're no use to anybody. Self-care is actually not selfish. Self-care is not selfish. Looking after yourself is actually a good thing. And today, as we heard already, we're going to talk about some habits of healthy living, habits of healthy living. Let me share a couple of thoughts from the New Testament. Here's Paul writing to some believers in the region of Galatia. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. How many know most of us, our challenge this year is not going to be that we'll be doing bad things. I mean, we're not drug dealers, we're not terrorists, we're not bank robbers, right? (laughs) Just checking. Our problem this year is not that we're going to be doing bad things. We're good people. But he says, don't be weary in doing good. Our challenge in our time, as well as the first century, is not that we'll do bad things, but we could become weary. The word means fatigued. It means tired. It means burnt out. Uh, keep doing good. You're all going to be doing good this year, but watch that you don't become weary or fatigued. Self-care is really important. Uh, he picks this up in another letter to the believers at Rome. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor as you serve the Lord. You know, there's a lot of people that serve the Lord. Serve, I'm serving the Lord. But there's not much passion. There's not much fire. What's he saying? Hey, it's great to serve the Lord, but you've got to give attention to your own energy levels. The, The Message Bible, Eugene Peterson says, don't burn out. Somebody looking for a word from God today, there's God's word for you. Don't burn out. That implies that it's possible to burn out. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the Master. And so we need a theology of self care. Uh, Looking after yourself, it's not selfish. It's actually really important. In fact, the big idea of this message is this the best gift you can give those around you is you being a healthy person. The best gift you can give those around you, your family, friends, the people you work with, your neighbors, your church community, the best gift you can give them is you being a healthy person. And so, as you know, health doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen through a quick prayer. It happens as a result of the habits that we engage with on a daily basis. So today, so today we're going to look at some habits for healthy living. Some of them are review for you, uh, but how many know it's not knowing things, it's doing what we know? Uh, John Maxwell once said, most Christians are educated beyond the level of their obedience. Ouch. We all in this room know a lot of things, but are we doing what we know? And so today will be some reminders, but hopefully we'll be able to learn some things that will help us in living healthy lives. How does that sound? Yeah. I'm going to do it anyway, but I thought I'd just check with you. All right. First habit. Number one is to retreat regularly. This sounds a little bit countercultural. To retreat, to pull aside Regularly is a key to your personal well being. I think sometimes when we read the gospels, we think Jesus is this ministry machine going 24/7, preaching, teaching, praying for people, healing people. We kind of think he's always on. The truth is, he wasn't. And if you just slow down and read the narrative between all the teachings, between all the meetings, between all the miracles, you'll read little verses like this, after Jesus dismissed the crowd. Isn't that a great line? Good night, everybody. <laughs> go home. You know, you, you, I'm sure you've had, had parties at your house where at some point you said, okay, thank, thanks for coming. You must be tired now, was one of my dad's great lines. You must be tired. We, we don't want to keep you too long, which basically was, please go. After Jesus dismissed the crowd, there's a time to just go, time's up. There's a time to draw boundaries in your life. Time to go home. He went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. Just a short verse, but this is a habit of Jesus. In fact, this doesn't just happen one. I don't have time to read them all, but but all through the Gospels, you'll find this happening. Uh, Mark one thirty-five. very early in the morning. Now, just context, he's just had a huge revival meeting in this town. I mean, people are being healed and impacted. Jesus gets up early in the morning while it was still dark, and he got up and he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In fact, the disciples got up and went, where's Jesus? (laughs) Where's he gone? He's retreating. He's pulling aside from the pressure and the demands and the intensity of life and ministry. This this is a habit. And how many think if Jesus needed to do this? (laughs) You and I probably need to do this Also, to pull aside, uh, some of you would be business people, and if you've uh, read some business books, there's a funny story uh, about the difference between leaders and managers that I once read. There's this group of people cutting through a jungle, and all the managers are there. They've got everyone organized, they've got rosters, they're keeping the machetes sharp, there's refreshments, there's first aid if necessary, and they're moving through this jungle at a rapid pace. Uh, They're making great progress, and the managers are pumped, they're so happy, we're really doing a great job. The leader is the person who climbs a tree, looks around and goes, whoops, wrong jungle. (laughs) But the managers go, but we're making such progress. What's the point? Sometimes life is a jungle. We just get caught up in the busyness of work and bills and family and events and emails and church and activities. Sometimes life is a jungle. And if we don't climb a tree every now and then and go, are we heading in the right direction? See, our life tends to be ruled by the clock, which is all about speed, (laughs) How many have heard of a little instrument called the compass? The compass is all about direction. And how many know if you're going really fast in the wrong direction? You're actually not being that effective. I reckon when Jesus pulled aside, he was climbing a tree. (laughs) He was replenishing. He was connecting more intimately with the Father. But he was gaining perspective for his life. Often he'd come back and the disciples go, where have you been? He says, okay, time to move to the next town. Where you get that perspective? By pulling aside, by climbing a tree, by retreating, by thinking and reflecting. There was an interesting magazine article in the Time magazine a few years ago. And it said that the number one condition of our age today is distraction. It's the number one problem. We are a generation that is continually distracted, pulled in every... Which way? And the solution, according to this article, was something called mindfulness. Anyone heard of mindfulness? Bit of a buzzword today. Mindfulness, meaning learning to push aside all the distractions, to be still, to meditate, to reflect, to be present in this moment rather than regretting the past and worrying about the future. Now, if mindfulness sounds a little new agey to you or kind of like a Zen Buddhist or something like that, then it shows that we've probably lost some of our roots and origins as followers of Jesus. How many know Jesus was a Jew? Did, did you actually know Jesus was a Jew? <laughs> and if you go back to Genesis 24, 63, a little verse, maybe you've never seen this before. One evening, Isaac, anyone heard of Isaac? Abraham, father of all who believe, Isaac was walking and meditating in the field. Now, Isaac had a big family. His father was very wealthy, inherited all of his father's wealth. He had huge herds and livestock and was probably a trader in those days. I mean, Isaac lived a busy life. He had a a big kind of thing to manage, and yet he's walking and meditating in the fields. It's a couple of hundred years before the Buddha, just for those who like history. There's something in pulling aside from busyness, from activity, from demands, and learning to be still, to meditate, to be in this moment, to reflect. Some of you here today have decisions to make and you're feeling a little confused. If you've got a bucket of water that's muddy, how many know if you just keep splashing the mud, you're not going to get much clarity? But if you'll just be still and just wait a while, just let the debris settle, it's amazing how clarity comes through stillness and through waiting. A habit that we're often losing in our generation. When we retreat, we cultivate two qualities. Number one is awareness. We cultivate our ability to be aware. There's an amazing story in Genesis of Jacob, Isaac's son, and he's out in a desert place, and it's dry, and he falls asleep, and he has this dream of angels going up and down a ladder between heaven and earth. And then he wakes up and he says this, God was in this place and I was not aware of it. What turns a desert place into a holy place? Awareness. See, see we don't lack God's presence. What we lack is awareness of God's presence. When you retreat, you cultivate awareness. Secondly, you cultivate attentiveness. You learn to slow down and kind of tune out all the din and hear that small, still voice. Another interesting story about Moses. He's walking along and there's a bush that's burning and not consumed. You remember that one? And Moses says, I'm going to turn aside to see why is this bush burning and not consumed. And then the text says this, when God saw that Moses stopped to look, God said, Moses, Moses. I always thought that the bush was burning and God was interrupting Moses, saying, hey Mo, hey Mo. <laughs> Doesn't say that. God didn't speak until he had Moses' attention. I wonder how many burning bushes we walked by this week. See, retreating helps you to become more aware and more attentive. And so what would it look like to start the day and before you rush off just to take a few moments to be still? What about the end of this day? Just to pause and go, how did today go? What would I do differently? What did I learn? See, experience is not the greatest teacher. It's only experience that you reflect on that becomes insight for you to bring change to your life. Some people just keep repeating the same patterns. What does it look like weekly to retreat and to pause or monthly, quarterly, annually? Again, this is hard, especially for us activistic, task oriented people like myself, uh, it's a bit like stopping for petrol. When our kids were young, we used to drive all the way to Queensland to visit Nicole's parents up in Mackay. And uh, I don't know about your kids. Our kids are always very angelic by themselves. But you put three of them in the backseat of a Tarago and something demonic emerges from their hearts. And Dad, he's looking out my window. You know it's going to be a long trip when one of your kids, when you get to Yay, says, Dad, can we see Queensland yet? One of the things on a long trip I used to hate to do was to stop for petrol. <laughs> you know why? Because while I'm filling up all of those caravans and semi-trailers and slowpokes that I have been meticulously <laughs> passing are all passing me! Come on, are you are laughing at me or with me? I always wish someone would invent a way to fill up with petrol without stopping. <laughs> but the truth is, if you don't stop, you're not going to make the distance. And if you're waiting till all your tasks are done before you retreat, <laughs> you'll probably never stop. But if you retreat, take some moment to pull aside as Jesus modeled. It's amazing how you return with some fullness and some fresh perspective and some fresh insight for your life. First habit, healthy living, whatever that looks like for you. We're not all contemplatives, but we can all learn to be still and to reflect. Number two, second habit today is to deal with your internal stress. Life has external stress that comes from the outside, just comes with the territory. And each of us in this room would be dealing with certain stresses. Some of them have names on them. You might be sitting next to one today. Just look straight ahead. Uh, There are external sources of stress. Uh, I worked for 32 years in a church Environment, and uh, I don't think pastors work harder than other people, but it is a very unique environment. Uh, church work is never done. <laughs> There's never a moment when you go, "It is finished." Sundays come around about every seven days. On talkback radio, you hear someone on Friday say, "Thank God it's Friday." Most pastors are going, "Oh God, it's Friday," because <laughs> Sunday's coming, and Sunday's a pretty big day. Uh, it's never done. It's never done. Uh, ministry is relentless. There are no boundaries in ministries. People expect you to be available (laughs) 24-7. You can't just confine ministry. It'll leak into as much of your world as you allow it to. The other challenge of church ministry is not everyone likes you, which is amazing because we're incredible people. (laughs) But for some reason, no one's happy with everything all the time. It's always something that they need more of or less of or not happy about. It's just part of the territory. Not a Bayview, but other churches. Uh, Some of us become visible people. I still remember on a day off years ago, where at Glen Waverly. Nicole was um, shopping. I just went to the men's toilet. I'm at the urinal, just doing what men do. And and a guy leant over and said, excuse me, are you Mark Connor? I thought, man, you can't even pee in peace. It's okay, lighten up. He'd seen me at some conference and wanted a chat. Not now. Anyway, what's my point? Ministry has just a bunch of external stresses that come with the territory, you can't control them, and your world would have some unique stresses too. But it's not the external stress that's most dangerous, it's the internal stress we carry on the inside of us. Let me demonstrate this. Here's a a photo of me when I was much younger and had quite bright red hair. All of us have different coping abilities or capacity when it comes to handling stress. Let's say you've got 100 units of stress coping ability. That means you can handle 100 units of stress and you're still okay. If it goes to 101, you're over the edge. Okay, We're we're all different, but let's say you've got 100. But here's the subtle thing. Let's say if you're using up 80 of your units of stress coping ability on internal stress, How much external stress can you handle before you go over the edge? 20. 21, and you're gone. You ever seen someone where something really little happened and they kind of lost it, and you go, what was up with that? Maybe you were the person. See, it wasn't the little thing. It's the fact that the little thing was one thing too many. Internal stress. Where does internal stress come from? Thank you for asking. Three sources. I heard this from... Ken Williams from Wycliffe many years ago. Changed my life. Three sources of internal stress. Number one is unrealistic expectations. We all have them. (laughs) About God, about people, about weather. If you think it's going to be 30 in Melbourne every day, you're in the wrong city. (laughs) Unrealistic expectations actually use up stress on the inside of us, that people will never let you down. That God will answer yes to every prayer. It's just not going to happen. Secondly, uh, is negative emotions things like anger, worry, fear, resentment, jealousy. You ever been shopping and got a trolley where one wheel didn't work? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> what's that like? <laughs> it's annoying, isn't it? It's squeaking and squealing, and you're squawking and sweating, and it, it's just so stressful. You know, one negative emotion is like that on the inside of you uses up a lot of energy. And then thirdly, unresolved conflicts. You ever met someone who was offended 10 years ago, but it was like it happened yesterday? You know, it takes a lot of energy to keep an offense like that alive. These things use up our coping abilities. So what do we do? Well, adjust our expectations. The more realistic expectations that you have, the happier you'll be. The less stress there'll be in your life towards God and people and ourselves. Here's a thought for those busy, activistic people like me. When your day is done, do you look at what you haven't finished or do you celebrate what you have finished? Ouch. You ever thought God, God as a time manager? I mean, we've got this poem in Genesis 1:2: Seven days. God, the first day, creates the light, and then at night, he goes, It's good. <laughs> He doesn't say, oh, I didn't get that done, didn't get that done. He said, it's good. Then he went to bed or whatever God does at night, got up the next day, did the next thing. He says, it's good. (laughs) He wasn't focusing on what he hadn't accomplished. He celebrated what he had accomplished because he realistically had a strategic plan to complete the world creation project in six days. (laughs) Well, there's some lessons for us there. See, some of us need a not-to-do list. We've got unrealistic to-do lists. And so the more realistic we can be, problems. Steve would understand this. When I was a young leader, Steve, my goal as a pastor was to have no problems in the church. And I discovered you solve one set. Yes. And there's a new set that just arrived. Realistic expectations. Uh, What about negative emotions? Well, we've got to... We've got to deal with these things. We've got to talk about them. We've got to uh, chat. You know, James 5.16 says, confess your sins or your faults to one another and be healed. (laughs) I think sometimes the way we live our lives, if you've got an issue, just work it out. Don't tell anybody and they won't know. Sometimes we need to share. We need some counsel. We need some help dealing with our emotions. Uh, you know, emotions are like indicators on your dashboard. When you go home today, maybe the red fuel light will come on. Don't get your hammer out and go, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, you negative thing. No, no. The red light is your friend, it's telling you something needs attention. And you know, emotions are just like that. Anger, resentment, jealousy, fear, rejection, they are indicators that are telling you something under the hood needs attention. And and so don't avoid what's happening in your emotional world. Talk to a safe person about it. Sometimes just the very process of getting it out is helpful. Counselor a pastor, if you get stuck, ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. (laughs) Years ago, Nicole and I on a day off... um, We we do work. We don't just have days off. I'm just talking about our days off, aren't we? Um, Once a week, we we get a day off. And so we were um, out in Cardinia uh, area, and we love the country, and we're driving down this gravel road. And you you see lots of kangaroos there, but um, we saw a couple of emus, which you don't normally see. And so Nicole goes, ah, it's a couple of emus. Let's have a look. So I stopped, and then I reversed on the dirt road to see them, didn't realize there was a big ditch On the left here, a meter is so deep. And so right on the edge of the ditch, I go, whoa. And so Nicole got out and uh, tried to direct me. I went forward and we went down. I went backward and we went down further. We were stuck. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? Love your teaching here, Steve. (laughs) Who are you going to call? RAC. Thank God for the RACV got on the phone, called the RACV and uh, we had a long wait, 30 minutes, bit bit of intense fellowship about my driving skills (laughs) while we were waiting. (laughs) Eventually this old pickup truck comes around the corner and this guy opens his window, a couple of teeth missing. We go, oh, we're just waiting for the RACV. He goes, I am the RACV. (laughs) This is rural now. Anyway, he... um, he hooked us up and we were out of there and it's a funny story. What's the point? If I, it, it, can I tell you it was pretty embarrassing as a guy to call up and go, I'm stuck. <laughs> pretty embarrassing. When he came around the corner. But, but here's the point. If I hadn't called, we'd still be there. If you get stuck, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to go and see somebody and say, you know what? I just can't let go of this bitterness. You know, I just, it's okay to get some assistance when you find yourself a little bit stuck. And then thirdly is to resolve our conflicts. Paul said, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. <laughs> he doesn't say don't get angry. <laughs> just just sort it out. How many know the last time I checked the sun was going down about every 24 hours? <laughs> Give urgent attention. Offences are going to happen. You know, every church has what I'd call Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper. People who kind of rub you the wrong way? Come on, you know who they are. You can see faces right now. And just a little tip. If you leave this church, you'll discover, as you go to other churches, that they have cousins everywhere. (laughs) And so when someone's annoying you, maybe the goal isn't to get away from them. I'm not talking about staying in bullying and abusive relationships. But sometimes we need to say, God, what are you trying to do in me through this person? Have you discovered character develops in the context opposite to the character quality? I'm very patient when I'm not waiting for anybody. I'm very forgiving when no one's offended me. <laughs> you' following me? And so maybe there's a Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper in your world right now. Hey, offenses are going to happen. Jesus uh, tells us to go and to sort it out, do our best. And to sort things out, we have to value relationships over being right. Our two boys, when they were younger, used to fight. When when my boys are fighting, whose side am I on? They all wanted me to be on their side. But as a dad, you know what? I wasn't on any of their sides. I wanted them to stop fighting your brothers. Now, who hit who? Who took what? The issues are secondary to the relationship. When there's conflicts in the church family, which side is God on? (laughs) We'd like it to be ours, wouldn't we? But he's actually not on any of our side. His heart is, stop fighting your family now. Let's let's talk about what happened. We've got to value the relationship over the issues. Being reconciled over being right. And so here's the challenge as we talk about this internal stress. I want to encourage you this year to keep your internal stress as low as possible so you've got the capacity to handle the external stress that comes with life. Everyone said amen? Lighten up the internal stress In your world, what a difference that can make. A couple more habits. Number three is to keep growing. Never too old to keep learning. And I've found when you're learning, when you're growing, then there's a freshness that comes with that. There's an energy that comes with it. When we kind of stop learning, (laughs) then we really stop living. Uh, Paul says this to young Timothy. He says uh, in 1 Timothy 4 12 onwards, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Set an example for the believers in the way you speak, your life, your love, your faith, your purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching, to teaching. Don't neglect your gift which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your, say the word with me, progress. progress. The Christian life is meant to be a life of Progress. A year from ya- a year from now, hopefully you will have progressed. How many know some people grow up but some people grow old but never grow up? <laughs> a year from now, don't just still be here. May people look at you and see progress. Progress is not automatic just through hanging around, through clocking in another few days. Progress is the result of intentional growth and development. This is what Paul's saying to Timothy. Hey, Timothy, work on the way you speak, your life, your love, your faith, your purity. Read the scripture, work on your preaching, your teaching. Don't neglect your gift and those words. He's giving him a whole bunch of personal growth things to focus on. He says, if you do that, then you're going to progress. A year from now, people want to say, have you seen Timothy? Wow, he's wiser than he's ever been. Did you see how he handled that? Situation? Did you hear? People are seeing progress because he's continually growing. And so I want to encourage you in 2019, in what areas are you going to grow and develop and learn this year? I love basketball. And uh, it's a well-known basketball coach, Pat Riley. Um, he once said this, excellence is the gradual result of always striving to do better. I love the word gradual there. Uh, Excellence is the gradual result of always striving to do better. And so sometimes in areas of our life, we see someone who excels, we go, I could never do that. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. But we don't see the journey they've taken to get to that point. And so the focus is not being better than somebody else or competing with somebody else. God's gift to you is your potential. Your gift back to him is what you do with it. So the question is, where are you now and what's the next step? you could take. Uh, years ago, I used to play piano in the worship team. Uh, my youth leader stuck me on the piano in youth group, and I was still a bit of a rookie with owl plates on. I remember I had the music in front of me, and I was reading every note uh, of the song, and God help the meeting if the fan blew the music away. And I did that for a long time. Eventually, I learned to just read the chord symbols and kind of improvise a little, relax, and... and uh, not so kind of dutifully tied to every note. I did that for a long time. I remember eventually when I memorized the song, took the music away, and looked around. And went, oh, there's people in the meeting. <laughs> but but you don't start there. You know, that's not the first time Steve played guitar today. Not the first time Nathan's uh, led a song. We often don't see the journey, and so I want to encourage you. Where are you today? what's the next step? Maybe your prayer life. You go, look, I'm about a three out of a ten. You know, I get up and I say, good morning, Lord, rather than, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> and if you're a three out of ten, you can say, oh, I'll never be a great prayer, uh, you know. Uh, well, how could you move from a three to a four? In the next three months, how could you grow your prayer life? Well, you, you, you could do a few things like pray. That helps. You, you could read a book on prayer. You could talk to someone in the church that prays a lot and go, what do you do? What do you say? You could take some steps to grow in your prayer life. It's the same in every area of our life. And when we're growing, then there's a freshness to our world. Two more habits today. Number four is to develop healthy friendships. It's interesting in Genesis 1 and 2, when God creates the world, at the end of every day, He says, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. He creates humans and He goes, it's very good. We, with the crowning of his creation. But in Genesis 2, there's a change in the narrative, and it suddenly says, it's not good. What? We've had good, 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 very good. Now something's not good. No sin is in the world. We're not to Genesis 3 yet. What's not good? Uh, God says, it's not good that Adam be alone. Adam wasn't lonely. He had God. He had all the animals, but he was alone. And as a individual solitary human, he could not reflect the nature of God, which is community. The God we serve is the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the first small group, if you will. And as an individual, Adam could not reflect the nature of God. So God made Eve. It wasn't just about marriage and family. It was about community. None of us were meant to do life alone. And today we have a very crowded world, but often many lonely people. And so another way to keep yourself healthy is in our relational world is to build into our friendships. And this takes intentionality. And it starts with with our family and our our close friends, developing what I call emotionally replenishing people, (laughs) those people that you get with and you feel energized by them rather than drained by them. We all need those kinds of friendships in our life. Uh, Jesus didn't do life alone. First thing he did was call 12 people to be with him. Not to work for him, but to be with him. Jesus modeled the community he had experienced as part of Father, Son, and Spirit as he lived on earth. Interesting scripture here in Gethsemane. Jesus, Matthew 26, 36, excuse me. Jesus went with them, that's the 12, to the olive grove called Gethsemane. He said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He then took Peter And Zebedee's two sons, James and John, three. He became anguished and distressed. One translation says sorrowful and troubled. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief, overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Would you stay here and keep watch with me? It's an amazing story. First of all, we learn that relationships are spatial. Jesus had the crowd. Jesus interacted with thousands of people. We'll all have a crowd He then had 70 disciples he was training that were his uh, little bit inner circle who he spent time with. Of the 70, he had 12 who were his close disciples and team. From the 12, there were three, Peter, James, and John, that he spent more time with that were more, that were actually closer to them. Then we're told that John was his best friend, although it's John that tells us that, so maybe the others thought the same. But can you notice the spatial dimension to Jesus' relational world? Crowds, 70, 12, 3, 1. And it's a good way to think of your world. You can't just have crowds. You need a 12, you need a 3. And sometimes we've got the wrong people in the wrong space. Maybe there's someone really close that you go, you know what, I'm not going to stop being their friend, but maybe they need to be there. <laughs> maybe there's someone that's a little further out that actually you need to draw in and build a closer relationship with. We need the right people in the right spaces, and it changes in different seasons in our life. Some people are part of your past, but they're not really part of your future, and that's okay. If You've got the right people in the right places Now, Jesus not only has three that he takes aside. Can you notice the authenticity here? I mean, you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and I'm Pentecostal, and I love all that Holy Spirit, as you do too. But, you know, we would have preached this. Jesus said to his disciples, hey, it's going to get really tough, but don't worry, I'm going to kick the devil's butt. I'll be back in three days. It's all good. (laughs) Come on, lighten up. Here's Jesus saying, I'm feeling overwhelmed. This is unbelievable. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Have you got anyone that you can say, I'm feeling overwhelmed? He's not talking to the crowd now. He's not even talking to the 12. He's talking to three. We all need some safe people in our world that can say, how are you doing? Really. We really need that. So very important. So. Give attention to your relational world this year, and then final habit is to keep yourself healthy and fit. Where's that in the Bible? Good question. 1 Thessalonians 5, 22-23, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and will do it. Notice God's interest in our whole being. We've gone through spiritual, emotional, mental, relational, and now our physical world, our body. Uh, your physical health and well-being is very important. Starts with sleep. We all need about seven or eight hours, most... Uh, Medical psychologists uh, tell us, um, you can try to live on less, but most of us sleeps like a bank. You can make some withdrawals, but unless you're making deposits, things are going to bounce. We need exercise. Jesus walked everywhere, occasionally took an Uber donkey, but normally he was walking, getting fresh air. We need exercise. We need movement. Did you know that the number one problem in the Western world today is sitting? We sit, on average, eight hours a day. It's okay, don't stand just there. Eight hours a day, and it's killing us. We need sleep, we need exercise, we need movement, we need good food. If you take your car and into the petrol tank, you put gravel and sand and grass and oil and cordial, how many know eventually the car's going to break down? Now You can lay hands on it and say, In Jesus' name be healed. Can Jesus heal your car? He can, he's God. Will he heal your car? <laughs> Probably not, because you've been putting stuff in it it was never meant to run on. Wow, we need this message. There's a best-selling New York Times book right now called How Not to Die, good title, and Dr. Michael Greger looks at the 13 leading causes of death in the Western world, and he proves scientifically that they're all caused by what we're eating, they can all be prevented by what we're eating, and they can all be reversed by what we're eating. We've got to think about our food and then rest. In the Old Testament, if you didn't keep the Sabbath, they killed you. We just kill ourselves today when we go, 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 and we never take a day off. We never rest. And then managing our energy. I, a number of years ago, had a six-month emotional valley <laughs> kind of some mild depression that stuck for a long time. And I wasn't sure what was happening through some help of some counselling and friends. I realised I was living at an unsustainable pace. Go to India for two weeks, mission trip, preaching to crowds, giving out sewing machines to widows. I'd get back on a Friday, I'd preach five times on the weekend. Monday, we'd jump on a plane, go to America. I was living with passion. But my body and emotions eventually shut down and said, we refuse to live at this pace. This is not for everybody. If you're not on fire, you won't burn out. Just relax. But for some of us, go, 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 go. Uh, We need to think about the pace of our life. Let's wrap it up. We've shared a message that basically says the best gift you can give people in your world is you being healthy. Uh, Five habits. I'm going to give you a quick assignment right now. I want you to rate yourself on each of these habits from one to ten. Ten being, you should write a book on this. One being, you got a bit of work to do. No negative numbers, just keep it between one and ten. Just just give yourself an honest score. Do you have a rhythm of retreating, meditating, being still, reflecting? How's your internal stress? How's your personal growth? How's your relational world right now? How's your physical health? Just give yourself a score. Um... Your highest score is obviously a strength. How can you maybe share with some others what you've learned there? Then look at your lowest score. If you've got a few of them, just pick one and ask yourself, how could you lift in this area in the next couple of weeks? And then as the prophet Nike says, just do it. Nike 1 verse 1. (laughs) Just do it. Here's what I've learned. What you tolerate you'll never change. Heard a lot of sermons, heard a lot of teaching. The only things that helped me were the things I did something about. And so do something about that area in your life. I'll finish with this really funny story. Maybe you've never seen this. It's in the Bible. It's not a funny context because it's the story of the 10 plagues. We're up to the plagues of the frogs and Pharaoh summons Moses, Exodus 8, 8 to 10. And Aaron says, Please, take the frogs away. I'll let you go. And Moses says to Pharaoh, Okay, you set the time. You decide. And tell me when you want me to pray for you, your officials, your people, and then your house will be rid of the frogs. They'll remain only in the Nile. So... Just get this. There's frogs everywhere. Frogs everywhere. In the kitchen, in the bathroom, in the bed. <laughs> They're everywhere. Pharaoh's sick and tired of the frogs. He says to Moses, please take the frogs away. You can go. Moses, says, okay. You decide. You decide when you want the frogs to go. And this is what Pharaoh answers. Exodus 8, it's in your Bible. He says this. Let's do it tomorrow. Let's do it tomorrow. All right, Moses says, it will be as you said. Now just get this, he is sick and tired of the frogs, but is willing to spend one more night with them. (laughs) And that's a bit like us. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it tomorrow. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And so if you had a little prompting today, my goal of this message is not to give you five more things to do. But that one area that, Just spoke to you today. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Make a decision today. Final verse, are you tired? Jesus said, Steve quoted this earlier. Are you worn out? Years only started. Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. <laughs> I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that beautiful? That's your theme this year lighten up. As the worship team comes forward, let me pray with you today. God, thank you for Bayview Church. Great congregation here today. Those who are visiting, thank you for Stephen Lou, their faithful leadership today. Bless them. And Lord, as we go through 219, you're speaking to us about lightening up in many, many different ways. And so today I pray that we would all realize looking after ourselves is actually not selfish. The best gift we can give those around us is us being healthy people. Lord, we get tired, we get weary, but you have unlimited strength. Jesus, you call us today and you give rest for those who are weary. And so I pray particularly for those that were challenged on maybe just one area today. Lord, that they wouldn't put it off to tomorrow, but today they'd make some decisions that will actually determine the future of their life. Bless us today, and may we live healthy, full lives of adventure and faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. Hope you got something out of today's message. Um, Got a couple of books I brought with me. Uh, One is How to Avoid Burnout Five Habits. I've been sharing this with leaders right around the country. So uh, this has everything from today's message and a lot more. Only $10. So that's available. Another book on the spiritual journey. You know, your life of faith is a bit like a journey. When you're on a journey, you need a map and a guide. And this uh, book looks at some of the stages we often go through. And a few other books. I'll be out in the foyer, so don't rush off. Love to say hello to you. And some of those resources are available there for you. I had fun this morning. I hope you enjoyed it. God bless you, baby. You. Have a great day. Well Beautiful.